Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. We're glad to have you from wherever you're downloading and listening today. Uh, We're looking forward to beginning Session 5 of How the Gifts of the Spirit Produce an Advantage. And so we're going to say again, we welcome you. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. And then, of course, don't forget my book, I Surrender, on Amazon and at your local bookstores. So we're going to look into Session 5 here. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We pray that you'd open our eyes that we could see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Now, Jesus, we ask you to reveal to us through the Holy Spirit what we need to know do, understand, and demonstrate. I pray that as the Holy Ghost reveals it, that our heart and mind would be open to receive it. And as we receive it, may we release it to your people so that we can be blessed, so that we can be corrected, so that we can have divine guidance and be led into the things that you want to show us. Now, Father, we give you glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Today we want to begin with a scripture from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. When Jesus died, the reason that Satan thought he had successfully eliminated him was because he thought that he had separated him from his advantage. If he could do that, then he could have him. It is for this reason that the Holy Spirit was not present during the time of temptation that we read about in Matthew chapter 4. Satan knew that the power of the Son resided in his ability to command the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit presented to defend Jesus in any way, then Satan would know that Jesus could not serve as the sacrifice. The sacrifice had to be a man. He would not qualify if the Holy Spirit was going to place the standard between Satan and Jesus. Now what Satan could not know was that he could not see what he could not see in Jesus. Because in Jesus resided the Father. He was secured in Jesus in his inner man. He would be preserved there even after Jesus' flesh would be ravished by sin. Of course, we know the story that his bones were not broken. So, what was in his spirit remained. Satan had no means to obtain that insight. So, his interactions with Jesus remained focused on his human side. 
the Holy Spirit which had sat upon him at the baptism and left him during the temptation was not manifesting himself during this part of the interaction directly with Satan. The reason for this has already been stated. However, beyond the temptation, Jesus walked with the Spirit and operated through the Spirit in each and every encounter with those that he met that were in need. He had the advantage. They could not trap him because they could not think with him. He knew what their intentions were before they did. They couldn't capture him. He, through the Holy Spirit, was removed from their grip. They couldn't entangle him with his words. The Holy Spirit was already prepared for their questions as well as their responses. All that he came into or came against were dealt with through the Spirit as he revealed the mind of the Father from which Jesus spake. He operated at an advantage. He was preempted by the Spirit. He was prepared by the Father. When he spoke the words of the Father, the Holy Spirit was charged to do with exact precision what was spoken. He was living under the privilege of having the answers provided to him at a much faster pace than man could develop the questions from their human side. Now we come to John 14. Jesus begins to speak concerning his departure. He begins to tell them of greater works. He speaks of answered prayer. He speaks of the use of his name. He tells them how he will pray for them. But in John 14, 21, Jesus tells them something that we must see and understand. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved to my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now get this, the predecessor of everything is love. It was for the work of Jesus, and it will be for you as well. When you are loved by him and you don't reject his love, then he manifests himself to you. Your love is shown because he first loved you, and as your love develops, the keeping of its commandments, the Father and the Son exhibit a deeper love for you, and from that love comes the manifestation of Jesus. Now what does that look like, and how does it work? With this, please allow me to take you back into the Gospels. Here we're going to see something that's exposed prior to the expression of the new birth. It's exposed prior to the expression of the love of God in John 3.16. What is it you would ask? It is the exposure of what Jesus spends the better part of four chapters in John's gospel teaching the apostles and the disciples. Look at Mark 1, 7 and 8. I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. This event is also spoken again in John 1. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is spoken of in advance of the new birth. Why is that important? Because John and Jesus are both setting the precedent of great things that are to come. Jesus will live in that advantage 
and the believer who comes through the plan of repentance and redemption will also live in that advantage. In the middle of the process, there'll be a new birth that will bring man into the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. The love of God will be exposed for every man. But his ultimate condition is the condition of being baptized with the Holy Ghost. It will be to him a river of living water and it will produce a fire that will express the merits of the advantage. Now Paul comes along as we have described in 1 Corinthians 12 and begins to explain the advantage. Now we're going to work our way through Paul's teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. He says in 12.1, now concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. That means there are many different types of gifts, nine to be exact, but they all function from the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are different ways that they're brought about, but all done by the same Lord. There are diversities of operation, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. Paul declares the advantage to be a work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now this is expressly how Jesus described it. John 14, 23, Jesus answering and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and I will come to him, and we will make our abode with him. John 17, 21, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. They're all working the advantage. That advantage is working in us through the operation of the Spirit. In this advantage, we become absolutely one with them again. We have restored to us the image and the soul of the original Adam. We live in the advantage of dominion. Now, we must ask the question then, if the advantage, the working of the operation of the Spirit, is the advantage, then is the advantage produced in man whenever his inner man or his spirit is saved and changed and he is reconnected with God. Is that, in fact, the advent of the advantage? And of course, the answer to that is, that is the first step. It is not operating in the advantage. The advantage comes in whenever you become one with him. How do we do that? We do that through the Spirit. When our inner man is reborn, we are reconnected. We are now tuned in to be able to, to walk in the new birth. The new birth now brings us into a place where in our inner man, we are no longer condemned. We are no longer in a position of separation from God. Now then, there comes the advantage where we become one with God, where the, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son 
all operate in you and you become one. How does that occur? Well, you have his commandments and you keep them. You have his commandments and you keep them. Many people say the only commandments were that we were to baptize in water or that we were to take in the Lord's uh, Supper. Well, the facts are that Jesus gave a definite commandment in Acts chapter 1. And that commandment was to tarry ye here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. When that power comes on high, you're going to take it around the world. Well, there is no question the apostles and disciples did not make it to America. <laughs> Bless God. But the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, did. Why? Because although the apostles and the disciples did not remain until this day, the Spirit of God being sent into the earth does remain today, is operating in the church today, is governing the church today, and is working in the lives of those who have come into the advantage. So you're going to say, now, Pastor, are you saying to me that I am not living in the advantage if I just am living the life of being saved? I'm saying to you that you have the advantage, an advantage of salvation. You have an advantage in the plan of salvation, but you are not living in the advantage of oneness with the Father and the Son. Why? Because from the Trinity, the gifts are exposed. And from the exposure of those gifts, you come into oneness. Jesus is teaching that in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may also be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now what was it? that they were going to offer to the world that would make the world know that Jesus was sent by God. Well, that's very simple. It was going to be the wonderful works of God. Signs, wonders, and miracles were going to follow those who believed. That was going to be the advantage of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've already defined that for you in Jesus' life. But my friend, we should be operating not just from a born-again spirit, not just from a lack of condemnation. No, there is more to this. And unless we reject the love of God and turn down the Holy Spirit and in effect begin to fight against God and fight against the oneness in our spirit of us and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, unless we're willing to reject that, we must come into it. The advantage is absolutely for you. Verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestation of the Spirit. With, with the, when the Spirit exhibits or expresses Himself, the one through whom He gives expression and the ones to whom He provides expression are going to profit or are operating in the advantage. Now you must remember, 
Paul is teaching a church. That church is already operating in spiritual gifts. They are operating in them out of order. They are operating in them out of a misunderstanding. And Paul's declared they were even operating in them out of ignorance. But Paul is saying to those who are, who are operating in the Spirit from what they know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's saying to them, the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So he's speaking to a church full of people who are Spirit-filled believers. Now we cannot take this Scripture out of context. And we cannot say that everybody and anybody that has come through the born-again experience has the Spirit of which Paul is referring in 1 Corinthians 12, has the Spirit to manifest and profit with all. We must keep the, 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 the Scripture in the context of whom he, who he's speaking to. So now, as I begin to look into these gifts of the Spirit, I want you to consider when you first saw these in operation, each of these can be found in use and functioning in the life and ministry of Jesus. He was not operating from his mother's side or his human side, my friend. He was operating from his father's side. That side of him was not only full of grace and truth, but he had the designation of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven to bring the advantage to him in every situation. Although he was grace and truth, he did not operate in grace as Paul used it in, in relation to the Gentiles. The grace of which he expressed to the Jews was the way God does things. Now that's important information concerning grace. Why? Because the way God does things always includes the person of the Godhead who produces the advantage to the one to whom he is directed by the Father. Jesus was the first since Adam to carry that benefactor. Since he carried that benefactor, he has the privilege of releasing that benefactor to his people. Now if we can identify the use of these gifts beyond Jesus then we would have the witness of two or three that would fulfill the scripture concerning the foundation and basis of truth. So we'll show you that as we speak through this. First, we'll look in Jesus' ministry. Then we'll look in the New Testament church. And since I'm the one operating uh, and teaching this, the only one I can refer to for the third agreement is my ministry. Verse 8. For to one is given the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Wisdom is the divine ability to make wise decisions and to have divine insight. We saw this in Jesus when he exposed the thoughts and intentions of those who were questioning him. If he expressed it by the Spirit and used this wisdom to his advantage, then you are to do so as well. 
anything that Jesus did, anything that he received from the Father, and he reproduced, and the Spirit took it and did something dynamic with it, is here and available for you to do the same. In other words, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. In other words, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, Jesus Christ is not asking you to live this life of the Spirit, not being full of the same aptitude of which he had. Now, Peter on the day of Pentecost, for instance, he operated in a word of wisdom of divine proportions as he preached the message on the day of Pentecost. He made wise decisions here from divine insight. He alluded to scripture. He identified who Jesus was. He identified how he was resurrected. And he identified from where this event originated. He was the first one to do so. There are so many words of wisdom now of which my ministry has been privileged to, but your life has been privileged to. We make decisions all of the time, and we often do so without much thought. However, some of our decisions are being made without our understanding of the grave potential of a wrong choice. If we choose to do this or that, the outcome could be catastrophic. Now, if we're living in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads us to make good choices that allows us to avoid the hurt, trouble, and entrapment that could lead to dire consequences. Now, let's take the born again. Let's take those living outside of the condemnation that the lost and unregenerate are. Is that operating in you? Are your decisions always bringing about the absolute best? Are they not causing some consequences and repercussions? Are you not saying, but I prayed about that, and I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do, and it didn't work out? My friend, that happens all the time. Why? Because you're praying about something and then making an intellectual decision about it. You're not getting a word from the inner, inner man, the Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost functioning through your soul and the Holy Ghost speaking into you a word to let you know what the wise move is. Most of the time, our moves are not wise at all. They are self-satisfying. We do what it is that satisfies ourselves, and then if it works, we talk about God, and if it doesn't work, we wonder, where is God? See, these are not words of wisdom. Why? Because from a saved perspective, a regenerate inner man, you do not have the advantage of the baptism of the Holy Spirit to operate in spiritual things. So your inner man is regenerated, but your intellect is still operating in the human side. 
Think of things such as the choices to avoid things like a debilitating addiction. Many Christians who are not filled with the Holy Ghost fall into debilitating addictions. What are they, Pastor? Well, they're easy. Things like drugs, alcohol, domestic abuse, pornography. You can think of any of the debilitating addictions. They bring you down. Often they are hidden things, but yet they diminish your spiritual ability. The choice such as eliminating friends, the choice not to go with someone, and then that someone has a, an accident, the choice to choose a mate. Now these are things that we in the spirit world Walking and living in the Spirit, setting aside our affections and lusts, we are being led in and guided and directed into things that are blessings to us. And we can stand back and say, there is the hand of God. Or as one of my friends says, but God. So we can make these choices and spiritual decisions and we often have no real idea uh, of what has been fostered in the spirit world. But the Holy Spirit is being to you an advantage that those of whom you may have avoided or circumstances you avoided or people you avoided or addictions that you avoided, others didn't make those same choices. And we often don't perceive it that way. But if you are operating under the order of the Holy Spirit and have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, then that advantage is working in you not just to do spiritual things, but to live a spiritual life in a world that has gone into addictions and all sorts of trouble. We have the opportunity to do spiritual things but we also have the opportunity to have a word of wisdom that comes into us and lets us make good choices while we are in and among those that may not be saved. Now, knowledge is the ability to understand information of which others may not be aware. Now, we saw this all the time in the ministry of Jesus. You know, in the ministry where, for instance, when Lazarus died, he knew what, what, what God was going to do, and therefore he delayed. He delayed for that purpose. He had an information that they didn't have. He knew what God was going to bring to pass. How about Paul when he got knocked off his horse? He was made to know the sound of a voice and identified him as Lord. When all those riding with him were left without any understanding of the situation, he was given information that gave him insight into the light that those that even were with him never saw. When we seem to be able to process and know things that others have great difficulty with, that's a work of the Spirit. I can look back to my life as a football coach whenever we invented the modern day spread or when we invented the RPO offense. There was a knowledge being given to me that no one else in football had. I, I had this vision, this, this information, 
And people would look at it and say, that's crazy, that won't work, you can't do that, that that will this, that or the other. But yet, as the Holy Spirit gave me information about it that no one else had, no one else knew, but yet now everybody in the world of football tries to duplicate. They are doing it out of the intellectual side and still call me today to get my insight on it. I was doing it out of the spiritual world. My friend, when we operate in the advantage of the voice of Jesus to reveal through the Holy Spirit the answers, direction, and guidance that others just don't have, well, they try, they think, they work, they give it an honest effort in their own head, but they just don't possess the insight that the person full of the Holy Spirit possesses. The same thing happens in my ministry. People hear me preach and they say, I, "We just, where did you get that? How did you come across that? What commentary did you get it out of? None of it. It's all driven by the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, those that are attempting to do what it is they're attempting to do, they don't know the mechanism to get to the place where it would look like you're getting ahead. And often they become envious of our being placed ahead of them. But my friend, this is an act of the Holy Spirit. This is not an act of the intellect or the human side. It is true. He sets some up and he puts some down. Now this does not happen at random. If one walks and lives in the Spirit, then he can expect wisdom and knowledge to flow through him or her. The problem is many of you have been baptized in the Spirit but do not understand how to apply the Spirit of God into your daily living. You take it to church and think that the Holy Ghost works on a one to seven ratio. What does that mean? It works one out of seven days. And you go to church and it works on Sunday and you're blessed. You walk out of church and now you're on a 0 for 6. Because you're going to go six days without interaction with the advantage. Why? Because you don't expect it. You're not looking for it. You're not seeking him. You're not listening to him. You get to church into whatever worship or preaching that you do, and you are expecting him. But in your natural daily life, you're not expecting the voice of the Holy Spirit. My friend, you cannot live in the Spirit of God and walk in this. You can't live in it without walking in it. That's what Paul says. You cannot live in it unless you're willing to walk in it. Now, the last time I checked, when you got up on Sunday morning, you were walking around. And then when you got up on Monday morning, you were also walking around. So wherever you are walking is where the Holy Ghost is walking. And wherever you are walking is where you are taking the habitat of God in the Spirit that indwells you. So you should be living daily in this advantage but you're going to have to learn to appropriate that advantage, to expect that advantage, and then to obey that advantage. Now, the issue 
For those who, the, the reason, now here's the big thing, this is a big topic here. The reason that you do not operate in the order of the Holy Spirit and expect Him is because you don't understand the love of God. You don't understand the love of God outside of the church, outside of the ceremony, outside of the meeting, outside of the service. You don't understand the love of God. You, in effect, reject the love of God six days a week. You reject Him because you refuse to operate in the, the advantages that he is giving you to run your life, to do your job, to be a husband, a wife, a father, to, to earn your income. You're rejecting that love. This love of God is the development of God in you and the outpouring of things that he is teaching you from your inner man, just like he taught Jesus. So you choose to operate outside the love of God, whereby you're operating without the advantage. What do you do? You suffer. You suffer mentally because of it. You go to church and feel like a giant. You go out on Monday morning and cower at your job. You go out and drive your car and cower because you don't understand that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You don't understand that as he is, so are we in this world. Cannot figure out why your life has not attended to the heights of which you feel like you're capable. The answer, my friend, is clear. You live without the spiritual advantage. Verse 9. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Someone is saying right now to themselves, well, pastor, the last time I looked, you didn't pastor a megachurch. And you know what I say to that? Glory to God. Because there's not a megachurch out there, pastor, who can preach the Word of God, who can walk in the Spirit and wants to do anything more than give you a motivational speech on Sunday. They want to be amateur psychiatrists. They want to tell you live your best life now. That's not a ministry that I want. They want to live where they're taking money out of the people and live in mega mansions. The last time I saw that, that was not servitude. No, I don't pastor a big church, bless God. But I will tell you in my ministry, the Spirit of God and the anointing of God lives and works. And when we minister to people, they're touched and blessed. So if you are going to look at what I do and measure it by success, I would say this to you. My success is I live in the anointing. I walk in the anointing. I preach in the anointing. It is not my success. It is the success of surrender. Now, Many people do not accept nor agree with this fact. You can be saved and reject the love of God. You can be saved and reject the love of God. How do you know it? I've already told you from John 14, 21. You can be saved and 
and not fulfill the commandments, not live life as Jesus designed, the Father designed you to live it, and walk right through the love of God. Just walk right through it. And be saved. Make your way to heaven. But your earthly dominion and your earthly ability to exercise the eternity and the gifts of eternity are going to be diminished because you reject the love of God. God loved you enough, my friend, that he sent a promise that has his name on it, the promise of the Father, and has his name to be produced in you, just like it was produced in Jesus. Now many people don't want that. They reject the love of God. So they run to churches that <laughs> don't project the love of God either. They go to churches that are not living in the love of God. Now let me tell you what they say the love of God is. They say the love of God is love everybody. Just love everybody. Well, there is some truth to that. Love your neighbor. Uh, there is the truth to that, that we should love the brethren. There is truth to that. But where God designed you to go is into the love of the Father that was equal to the love of the Son. As he loved the Son, he produced in the Son himself and the Holy Spirit. All done by love. Now what we want out of God is we want an escape ticket from hell. Not an overcoming love life that brings us in to the gifts of the Spirit so that we can profit or have the advantage so we run off and we listen to preachers that tell us nothing, that give us nothing, that offer us nothing, and we talk about the love of God, all the while rejecting the very thing that God prescribed for you once you came into the new birth. To another, verse 9, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Now, I have to be done. I'm well over time. I'll come back with verse 9 whenever we come into session 6. Father, I pray that you will minister through your word to your people. Open our eyes, God, that we can see. May we be Spirit-filled, profiting by the order of the Holy Spirit and become one with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Find him as Lord. Bring your plunder to him. Every knee will bow. Fly and find him as the man in the Godhead, and he will speak to you. The promise of the Father leads you and guides you. Be real to manifest himself to you and show you great things to come. May God bless you is my prayer until we speak again.